Now Lindsay's going to come and read to us from Luke chapter 11. It's on your service sheets on the back on the white sheet. So if you want to follow along and she'll read for us as we go. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sin, sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Today we're going to finish out this little mini-series that we've been working through on, on the subject of prayer. And um, today, I suppose, is, is, is a, a way that we're going to be reviewing some of the things that we've been talking about and also then applying them uh, more specifically, I hope, and practically. Um, so I hope that you'll find today um, practically encouraging and equipping you and us as a church. And so this, uh, I suppose if you're looking for a fancy word, we're number three on that little uh, uh, list there, praxis, which is, I suppose, a way of just saying the practical aspects of doing the thing. Um, and so we're going to be looking at that today. How do we actually do prayer? So um, really, we're going to split the talk into two halves or two sections, I suppose. And the first, we're going to ask ourselves and hopefully answer, what is it? we pray. What do we actually pray? Um, most people will agree that prayer is not a bad idea and it's quite nice, but what, what should the content of our prayer be? And the second half then we'll be asking our, ourselves, how do we pray? Okay, so what do we pray? How do we pray? And I hope that at the end of this, in combination with everything else we've been learning, um, you'll be really equipped uh, to, to walk this out in your own prayer life. And um, we're going to focus then, what, what do we pray? We're going to focus on three uh, words, if you like, or three um, uh, statements, um, the teachings that Jesus gives us um, about prayer, three specifics. And uh, Lindsay has very kindly read to us already from uh, this key text, Luke chapter 11, about prayer. What are those three um, specifics that we are to pray for? Uh, well, the first is this. I think it will come up on the screen. Thy kingdom come. Uh, first thing that Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come. And we see that in, in verses 2 through 4, in this famous uh, section that we've commonly come to understand as or know as the Lord's Prayer. It, when, when we come to pray, we pray, thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come. It's the old, the old word, isn't it? Thy, uh, your kingdom come. Um, Jesus' disciples, it said, went to Jesus and, and said, teach us how to pray. Give us, give us a form of words, much like they said, John... Uh, the Baptist has given his disciples a form of words, give us a form of words as well that will identify us as your disciples. And so Jesus gives them uh, what we commonly understand as the Lord's Prayer. The, the, it's a famous prayer, isn't it? Um, and many of you, uh, particularly maybe from a, um, a certain generation, you would have learned this at school. Uh, it would be something you trot out every now and again. Uh, maybe less so now uh, as, we, as we go on as a society. But certainly, it's something that a lot of people would be familiar with, thy kingdom come. Um, and, and, and what Jesus is not necessarily teaching us here is that this is the only prayer that you should pray or that these are the exact words you must use. That's not what he's saying. But he is implying, I think, in this, that this, this should be the backbone of 
our prayers. This, this should be a, a fundamental part of what we are praying for, the content of our prayer. So let's look at that um, in a little more detail then. What does he actually teach us we should pray? Well, he says this, you first of all, you are to relate to God as your father. This is key. We've seen this already, haven't we? Um, and we'll see this in a few minutes as well. But relating to God as your father. We saw in the, in, the, in the first talk in this series that prayer, before it's anything, is an invitation that, that God gives us to say, come to me and, and, and talk to me. And, and, and I'm a God, he will listen and will talk back to you. Um, it's an invitation. And, and, and that, that implies more than just us to speaking to a, a distant deity. This, this is us addressing our heavenly father. Um, in, in some of the other versions, it says, our father who art in heaven. You remember that. Um, we come to God as our Father. And of course, I think, hopefully it goes without saying, but just to be clear, when, when he's talking to God as your Father, it only applies to you if you are a child of God. Uh, and the only way to become a child of God is through faith in the Son. That's, that's how this whole thing works. That's the, the gospel. That's the good news. Um, trusting in Jesus, you become a child of God. Anyway, speak to God as your Father. Um, you say, hallowed be your name. That, that means glorified, magnified, beautiful, famous, be your name, and everything you stand for, and then you're told to pray this, your kingdom come. If you want to know what to pray for, Jesus tells you right here, your kingdom come. Um, what, what is the kingdom of God? Um, it's, a, it's a broad idea, but, but, but a kingdom is, 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 is uh, the realm of a king. Right? Um, it, is, it is the place where the king um, is, is honored, where he is glorified, where he is respected as the king, where his word goes, where what he says uh, happens, where his rules and laws are lived out by his people. Um, that's what happens, or her if it's a queen, uh, in, in earthly terms. Uh, the kingdom of God is the place where King Jesus is the king, uh, the place of righteousness, the place of peace, the place of justice. In that kingdom, the Bible gives us this wonderful, beautiful, multifaceted picture. In that place is a place where all people will flourish because they are in his kingdom. This is why we must pray, thy kingdom come. We want that. The world needs it. Amen? Specifically, Specifically, what does it mean for your kingdom to come? Well, it sort of breaks it down a little bit here in verses 3 and 4. Give us each day our daily bread. So, so within this, this broad concept of the coming kingdom, the coming reign of, of God through his king Jesus, um, we're praying for our daily bread. Uh, that, that's, a, I suppose, a metaphor or a summary for our material needs, for our physical bodily needs. Um, your king, uh, sorry, uh, give us this day our daily bread. We're coming to God with a sense of need, that absolutely everything comes from him. Ultimately, it comes from him. Not your hard work, not your wise decisions, not your wonderful opportunities, not your privileged background if you have one. No, it ultimately comes from your Father who is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. This is what we pray for. Um, and forgive our sins. Forgive us our sins in verse 4. Um, as we forgive, or for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Again, in the kingdom of God, it is permeated by, let's just call it, a culture of forgiveness and grace and mercy. Uh, so forgive us our sins. We've been 
singing about that and praying about that. It's the place where people uh, receive the benefits of the king and what he's done for us on the cross, forgiving us of our sins. But then it says, in likewise manner, because of that and through that, we forgive others who sin against us. Uh, the Bible tells us in other places that we can't truly uh, understand forgiveness that we've received from God until we are forgiving other people for the way that they have treated us badly. That's when you know you've forgiven, uh, you've received God's forgiveness. This culture of grace. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Just, just imagine that sort of uh, grace-filled, mercy-filled realm. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And lead us not into temptation. We don't want even a whiff of wrongdoing, of sin, of stuff that's just going to be like a, you know, an outside influence of darkness. We don't want that culture of grace and love and beauty. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And so when we pray thy kingdom come, we're, we're, we're saying, Lord, press this out in our church, in our, in our families, in our lives. Press this out. Press this out in our city. Come, Lord, more. Uh, make, make us burn brighter. Make the kingdom of God, as it says, like a city on a hill. You can't hide it because it's so full of light in the darkness. Thy kingdom come. That's the first thing we pray. Are you with me? Thy kingdom come. The second thing we pray, thy spirit come. The words aren't there, but it's summarized in verses 11 through to 13. Thy spirit come. Um, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not just thy kingdom come, but thy spirit come. Um, we, we are talking about something that is separate, yet connected to the kingdom of God. Um, a fundamental importance. Um, the principle here, and we've covered this last week and possibly the week before, is that fathers, parents in general, know how to give good things to their kids. And, and we get it wrong as parents, and we, we give things we shouldn't, and we don't give things we should, and, and we mess up. We're, 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 but, but, but Jesus is really relying on this principle. You know how to give good things to your children. How much more does your heavenly Father, who is perfect and good and righteous and knows all things, will give you the best gift, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? That's what Jesus is saying here. How much more so? We'll give, we'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Do you, do you see that word, ask, there? That is key. To those who ask for this gift. Um, these things, as I mentioned, are related. Uh, the, 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 the realm of the kingdom of God is the realm of the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom is, is the kingdom of God. They overlap. Um, and what, what we're talking about here, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the, the living in the Holy Spirit, the, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, etc., etc., um, is, 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 is this sense of uh, intimacy, of, of nearness, of togetherness with God. Um, and uh, we see that throughout Scripture. And we'll see that as, as, as we go into our new series in January, uh, the book of Acts, uh, looking at the, the role of the Holy Spirit in the local church. It is fantastic. It is amazing. To live in the kingdom life, we need the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're just observers from the outside. Um, otherwise, you know, we, we're just people trying hard to act like we're in the kingdom. But unless you have the Holy Spirit, unless you ask for him, then you won't ever enter the kingdom. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the kingdom life. 
Um, it's no surprise that when Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, he says the kingdom of God is, is near right at the beginning of his ministry, John the Baptist said, he is the one who will come and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's what they said of Jesus. So the spirit and the kingdom are very closely related. And Jesus is saying here, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The key there is ask. So we're praying thy spirit come. We're praying thy kingdom come. And, and, and thirdly and finally, we're praying thy mission done. I made that one up. You can probably tell. Um, it's not on your sheets, but I think it's going to be on, your, on, on, on the slides. Um, Luke chapter 10. Uh, Jesus sends out um, 72 disciples. Um, other, others, you know, probably includes the 12, but others in addition to them. Um, is it there? Luke 10. There it is. Yes, the Lord Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's that word again. Ask. When you want to know what to pray, Jesus tells you, ask. For the Lord to send workers uh, at Foundation Church Belfast, we we sort of uh, people want to know well, what sort of church are you? We'll, we'll say uh, we we are gospel centered, meaning we prioritize and enjoy and, and center everything around the gospel of Jesus. We're spirit empowered, um, which means that we uh, are asking Thy Spirit come, and we're 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 seeking and using the gifts that He gives us. Um, uh, but we we are a community on mission, gospel centered, spirit empowered community on mission with those two things in place. Jesus, through his Spirit, sends us out. And that's what he's doing here in Luke chapter 10. He sends them out here, and us too, to preach Christ, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to show the kingdom of God. And Jesus says in his own words here, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray, ask that the Lord would send workers. This, this word here that's been translated for us, ask, is maybe um, a little... Uh, Let's just say a little uh, weak, and, and it's our fault. It's the English, you know, it's the English language's fault. Um, and, uh, and, and really the Greek behind it, deomai <coughs> um, is the actual word, ask, uh, implies this begging, this imploring, this earnestly seeking and desiring God in our prayer. This is the level, this is the tone that we are to ask him to send workers to the harvest. That's what he teaches us. Uh, it conveys this idea this is not a one-off prayer. That you just pray and park because it is done and he's heard your prayer and that, that's it, you can move on. This is a, this is a plea. This is an, a begging. Ask him to send out. Again, in the Greek, this idea of forcefully throwing out more workers into the vineyard. This is a positive thing, by the way. What we're doing is we are asked and told to come and pray earnestly and passionately to God who will uh, send out a liberal, rich supply of workers to join the mission. That's what Jesus is saying in these words. I'm not making this up. We go with what he tells us before we go with our own experience. And then we bring our experience under what he tells us. He says the harvest is plentiful. Do you remember the the story where Jesus um, is standing on the shore and the boats are uh, going around and they, they, they try all night, can't find a thing, can't, can't catch any fish. And Jesus says to 
a couple of disciples who are on the boat who are seasoned fishermen. Try put your nets on the other side of the boat. And they're like, what? Okay, we've been here all night. The chances are any fish we would have caught on the right-hand side and, you know, you're saying put them on the left. But okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. What have we got to lose? And you know the story, don't you? Uh, they cast their nets on the other side and uh, they caught so many fish the nets began to break and they had to signal to others on the lake, come and give us a hand because there are so many fish here. This sort of lays in the background to what Jesus is teaching directly here. There are so many fish, there are so many people who need to hear the good news of Jesus, who need to receive his love and be served by the church. Come, give us a hand, come and, and put your hand to the, to the work. Pray for more workers for the mission. So there we have it, thy kingdom come, thy spirit come, thy mission done. If you want to know what to pray, pray these things. And it, of course, they're, they're separated out so that we can understand what Jesus is teaching us here. They're all interrelated. Um, we saw last week when, when the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 4 um, was just released from prison. He was in prison because he was teaching the gospel. He was talking about Jesus and the authorities didn't like that. And, and it says that when he got out, um, this is what they prayed. Uh, now, Lord, look upon their threats. They're saying, bring, bring justice, bring, bring your rule to earth in our situation. They're praying, thy kingdom come, in our language. Then they're saying, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders. They're praying, thy spirit come. Come and, and do miraculous, wonderful things among us. And then they're saying, grant us boldness to speak your word. They're praying, thy mission be done. You can see how these things are all related how they come together. The question is, I think, that we need to answer as, as a church, how, how must all this affect our prayer as Foundation Church Belfast, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission? How, how, how would all this stuff here set the pace for us to pray? Because we've seen in these three things, thy kingdom come, thy spirit come, thy mission done, we've seen heaven's desires for our prayers. This is what Jesus teaches us we should be praying for. Jesus is clear. We have been invited into praying for some top-level, world-shattering, life-changing, community-shaping praying. That's the effect of, of our prayers. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. There is a huge scope in everything that he's uh, laying before us this morning. This must set the pace in our prayer as a church. And so when we're praying for salvation, for people to be radically changed from the inside out by Jesus, that's what we're praying for. When we're praying for healing, we're saying, thy spirit come. When we're praying for the gospel to go out and for people to hear the message and be saved and for churches to multiply, we're saying, thy mission done. That's why when we're asking that many in the Clarewood Estate and Belfast and beyond would hear the good news of Jesus, and experience something of his kingdom, that's when we're praying, thy kingdom come. These are just the, the words that we're giving it this morning. You can see, can't you, I hope, that prayer for us at Foundation Church, and hopefully for every church, is mission critical. Mission critical. Our mission will not succeed unless we are on our knees in prayer with this 
earnest, imploring, the seeking. We're not, as you remember from last week, trying to wake God up from his bed, the grouchy deity, and, and phone him in the middle of the night. That's not what we're doing. We, we know he's a God of love who's rich in mercy and knows how to give good. That's the God that we're praying to. And yet our response is not to be passive. Our response is to go to him directly in faith, get straight to him. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. And so when we're praying as a church, we need to make sure these are firing our prayers up. Before we move on to the second half, maybe you're asking yourself, well, this is all okay, but what about my as you might may call them now, small prayers. <laughs> what about my prayers for myself uh, and my family, my kids? What about prayer for my situation, whatever it may be, great or small? Are they okay to pray based on everything we've been hearing? Because we've been hearing some really grand stuff. Is Jesus okay with listening to my prayers about me and my car and my house and whatnot? And I think the answer is yes. We're not talking about big versus small prayers here. Maybe we're talking about general versus specific. Let me explain. When we moved into our house, we've been there almost four years now. Yes, four years. Um, At the time, um, we knew that the move from, we were in Cumberland County Down and we moved to East Belfast. We knew that that was a significant shift. It was more than just getting a house. It was about uh, being part of a, an area, being part of a community, a place for, our, for Eliza to go to school, a place where Marion works already in the Hollywood Arches, a um, place where, where, where we were putting our roots down um, as a church. We knew that this was important, and we were praying, Lord, give us, it's taking forever. You know, these things do take, as long as the solicitors are involved, you can add another six months to it, right? It just takes ages. I have no idea why they're so slow. If you're a solicitor and you're listening in, I'm so sorry, but please email me and let me know. What are you doing? What do you people do? <laughs> you're not answering my emails, that's for sure. Um, it's just a question of perspective, I suppose. Maybe they've got loads of houses they're dealing with. But um, we were praying, Lord, we need, we need this house. Uh, we were praying, Lord, we, we, want, we need Eliza in this particular school here. Um, we were praying, Lord, we need to root ourselves down in, in, in this community, in this area. And is it okay to pray prayers like that, practical things? And the answer is yes, of course it is, absolutely. Because we can understand that under the um, rubric, under the heading of mission, thy mission done. We wanted those things because we wanted to serve God in this area. Thy mission done. And likewise, you may be praying for healing, you may be praying for deliverance, you may be praying for uh, salvation or help or some sort of release in a loved one or in yourself. Is that okay? And the answer is, of course it is, because we're praying, we're told to pray, thy kingdom come. The, the kingdom of God is the place where there is no more sickness, where diseases are healed in Jesus' name, where sins are, 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 are forgiven, where guilt is gone, where the past is dealt with by the loving, tender graciousness of God. Is it okay to pray for that? Of course it is, thy kingdom come. And what about when you're dry and discouraged? When you're feeling far from God, when you feel like actually your prayers aren't being answered at all, but you'll give it a go because you're desperate. Is it okay to pray, Lord, give me a touch, breakthrough, whatever it is? Is it okay to come before God and say, I'm desperate and I am dry and I need you. I need to know that you're with me. I need to know that you love me. I need to experience you because all I feel is darkness right now. Is it okay to pray these prayers 
And again, the answer is yes, of course. Because we're praying, aren't we? Thy spirit come. You know, you fathers and mothers, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give you the best gift? The Holy Spirit himself. God himself. He is your greatest gift. Of course, you can pray for these things. So, of course, small prayers are okay. Let's not call them small and big. Let's call them maybe general and specific. You're specifically praying those things for yourself and your, your loved ones in your own situation. What do we pray? We've seen those three things. So secondly then, the second half, how do we pray? How do we actually do it? I think prayer is difficult. Um, if you've been brought up in a, in a church background, um, you will maybe be a bit more comfortable with praying. Um, and you've at least seen it modeled for better or worse by other people in your church. And that's, that's okay. That gives you, a, I suppose, in some ways a bit of a head start. It can be a... Um, a blockage as well in some cases, unfortunately. But, you know, we have a rough idea. But, but a lot of people are not coming from a church background. And they're coming from, they have no idea. Where do I even start? Where do we go? Well, I hope that these next few um, practical helps will, will, will serve you well. Um, when we look at Jesus praying, um, when Jesus prayed, the heavens opened. The Spirit fell upon him without measure. Uh, when Jesus prayed, um, the presence of God filled him and, and, and came about him so much so that he was glowing. He, he, he became um, transfigured, it says in, in um, Luke chapter 9. These amazing manifestations of what happens when Jesus prayed. And let me just say this to you this morning. Jesus was a man, a human being, just like we are. And he was filled with the same Holy Spirit that we are filled with. Jesus was without sin. Jesus received the Holy Spirit without measure. Yes. But what we see him doing in his ministry, in his healing, in his teaching, yes, he's the divine son of God from all eternity. Amen. But he is also a human being filled with the Holy Spirit, showing us what it can and will look like when a human being is filled with the Holy Spirit beyond measure. Be encouraged. The same privileges that were given to Christ in the flesh as a human being are given to us. He was a child of, is a child, is the son of God by nature. We are children of God by grace, by adoption. How good is our God? We just often don't realize what we have when we're praying. So how do we pray? Let me give you some scenarios and some substance because they both begin with S. First, the scenarios. What sort of scenarios can we pray? Um, I'll give you three, because I like threes. The first scenario in which we and you can pray is as a whole church. Um, Acts chapter 9. Do we have that on the screen? No, it's okay. Um, Acts chapter 9, um, <clears throat> it says that when uh, the apostle Peter got out of jail, he went to the church as they were gathered, and it says they, were, they the, the church, was gathered for earnest prayer. The entire church. So the first scenario in which we can and should be praying is as a whole church together. Um, in uh, Acts 4, uh, verse 23, when 
Peter and John, again, got out of uh, prison. It says they went to their own people and everyone, it says, lifted their voices together in prayer. It's the whole church gathering together for prayer. The first place you go when you want to pray and learn to pray is church. And so we do this. Uh, We do this in some form on a Sunday morning as we gather here. Uh, But we prioritize also other prayer meetings during uh, the midweeks as well. Particularly, I want to draw your attention to the first Wednesday of every month um, when we meet together in this room here um, at 8 p.m. for prayer and worship. Again, the whole church will gather, are encouraged to come. They don't come, but they they should. They're encouraged to. um, For prayer and worship. That's the focus of what we do, the whole church together. And much like we saw in in Acts chapter 4 a few weeks ago, when we come together, we lift our voices to pray. And as we were looking at last week, it's like lighting a fire. You may come feeling dry, feeling like you don't want to be there, um, feeling faithless, but someone else in the room may uh, inject a bit of faith, may say something that will unlock something in your heart, in your mind. And then some faith may grow, uh, as it were, in you. And then you pray, and then that might release something in someone else. And this is what happens. And you throw in a few uh, prophetic words of encouragement here and there, some scripture readings, whatnot. Um, and, and this is like a setting a fire. And you won't get that on your own. There's, there's, we'll look at that in a minute. But, but, but when we come together, there is something powerful, there is something important. So the first Wednesday of every month, Please, uh, make it a, a um, priority to get to. That's the whole church. The second scenario, then, is in smaller groups. Smaller groups. Um, Jesus, for example, um, went up a mountain, and he took with him Peter, James, and John, in, in, in Luke 9, 28, took with him Peter, James, and John with him, went up a mountain to pray. And we see this time and again. Jesus takes smaller groups away with him to pray. Um, uh, you know, three or four people, something like that, maybe, maybe up to a dozen, going away to pray in smaller groups. And we, we, again, we try and reflect that in our other form of prayer gathering at church, house prayer. So on the third Wednesday of every month, we will meet in, in, in not in the church, but we'll meet in homes, usually one here around the sort of East Belfast area, one in the sort of Newtonards area, that type of thing. And uh, we go to one another's homes to pray. And why do we do that um, as opposed to the whole church? We do that um, because it just helps to build relationship, helps to build trust. It means you can share uh, things to be prayed for that you maybe wouldn't feel necessarily comfortable to do in a, in a bigger group. Um, get to know one another a little bit, bit better. But that's the focus is on prayer in smaller groups. Whole church, smaller group. And thirdly and finally then, you can pray on your own. Pray in solitude. Pray in privacy. Pray in quietness. Jesus practiced this. He says he went to a desolate place at one point. He went up a mountain at another point. He did all-nighters. Praying on your own. That's where no one's listening except God. And you don't have to worry about how you sound or how you look or where you stand or anything like that. Pray on your own. Um, I encourage you to pray every day. Uh, it marries up so beautifully with, with reading the Bible, um, particularly if you're following the Discipleship Project reading plan. You can you read the scripture in the morning and then pray um, afterwards, and it just will build your faith and encourage you. All of these things are going to be of benefit to you, by the way. Um, and I, I, I know that in this room there'll be people who are much prefer the big group, others prefer to pray on their own, others prefer the small groups. Everyone's a bit different. Um, and I just want to encourage you... Um, if you know your, your, your favorite, um, brilliant, thank you God, 
but also lean into the other ones as well. If you only are comfortable praying in groups, um, chisel out a bit of time to pray privately, personally, on your own. You know, if you're in the car driving to a particular thing, pray. Or if you need to take yourself up a, a hill or something like that, go up there. If you need to have some time alone on, on, at home, do that. Um, likewise, if, you, if you're fine praying on your own at home, um, but you really struggle to pray in, in groups, can I just again encourage you to come? Nothing weird or scary is going to happen to you. You're not going to turn into a pillar of salt. Um, but I understand it is awkward and difficult if you're not used to it. But bit by bit, as, as, you, as you develop trust and you see how to do it, and others will, you know, uh, will sort of demonstrate by example what to do and what to say, um, you can learn the ropes, as it were. And then you know, before long, prayers will become your own prayers. Um, and that's okay to learn it that way. It's different for each of us. Um, how do you make a fire get hotter? You put more coals on it, don't you? The more coals you put in a fire, the hotter it gets. The more people that are praying, particularly the more people are praying together, the, the more the spiritual temperature goes up. So let me encourage you, uh, first Wednesday of every, night, uh, every week, every month particularly, to come along to prayer and worship. Uh, the more power, the more impact we'll have as we pray, thy kingdom come. First one will be in January. Almost there. That was the uh, scenarios. What about the substance? Um, we've, we've already looked at the big, the big ticket, you know, headlines, I suppose, about what we should pray. Um, let, let's look then a little bit at, at, at how do we actually do the thing itself, all right? Um, hopefully that will become clear as we go. Uh, again, I'm giving you three ways. Is there a slide? I'm not sure. Um, maybe. I had Eliza type these all up the other night, and she's obviously forgotten this one, so. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was me. It was me. <coughs> um, the first way, then, I think we can pray, and, and, and maybe the, the one you're more familiar with, is spontaneous praying, uh, where, as it were, you sort of make it up as you go along, um, uh, pouring out your heart, just saying whatever comes to mind. Um, it's not that your mind is not active. Of course, it is active, but, but you're sort of uh, you know, spontaneous in your prayer. And that, I suppose, um, matches an ordinary conversation that you may have with the person sitting next to you, your spouse, your friend, your neighbor, whoever it might be. You don't go with a script, uh, ordinarily, if you do, there's something not quite right with your relationship. Um, but you, you, just, you just chat and whatever comes to mind and, and, and off you go. And, and, and for many people, prayer is like that. It's spontaneous. It is a conversation, and that is right and good. Um, there is nothing to get flapped about. Um, it's a case of learning. Um, if you are unfamiliar with spontaneously praying, particularly in groups or even on your own, may I encourage you to just give some one-liners. Just pray a sentence. Um, if, you, if you notice maybe someone in a prayer meeting is saying, praying about the goodness and love of God, you may wish, if you, if you feel uh, stirred, just to say, thank you, God, for your love for me in Jesus. Amen. Uh, something so simple. Uh, sometimes, um, from a human perspective, it's just good to prime the pump. It's good to just start doing the thing, and you will find that uh, God, through his grace, will, will, uh, will, will, will help you to grow in that in that confidence and that ability. But start with short prayers or one-liners. Uh, some of us go the other way. We, we, we save up, as it were, a week's worth of prayer for, for the prayer meeting. And that's good, thank you, uh, for, for if that's you. Uh, but again, let's just uh, learn, I suppose, uh, to be sensitive to those in our prayer meetings, uh, particularly if you're prone to going the other way. And, and a 10-minute prayer might be great on your own uh, when you're in your home. Um, but again, sometimes that can sort of, uh, we just need to bear in mind one another. And, and help one another to pray, pray well and pray better, um, and just to be sensitive to what's going on. 
having said that, if, you're one of the, if you feel more timid when you come to a prayer meeting, um, we are coming to God here. Uh, we need you to pray. So be timid, but don't stay there forever. Learn and grow and pray together, and you will not only receive the joy of praying to your Heavenly Father, but your prayers may unlock some prayer and faith in someone else, there and then. So we need you to pray. We need you to, to, to wrestle together with God in prayer. Amen. So that's the spontaneous prayer. Um, but it doesn't end there. It does not end there. Because you've got the spontaneous thing, much like an ordinary conversation. Um, but the second way that we can pray, I suppose, is, is what I would call preformed prayer, written down prayer, um, liturgical prayer. Um, whatever. Let me explain what, what I mean by that. Um, spontaneous praying is not the only way. Um, and, and please don't think it's the most spiritual way either. Um, it can be a very spiritual thing to do, but, but sometimes it's not. It's just a, a way to pray. Um, the preformed prayers are also uh, very good and very encouraging. And think about it for a second. We've, we've, some communication is fine, just casual conversation between friends. Um, we, 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 we covered that already. But there are some forms of communication where you want a bit more formality. You want a bit of thought that's gone into what you're about to say before you say it. Um, for example, if you're getting up and addressing, you know, uh, maybe you're giving a, you know, the best man's speech at the wedding or the father of the bride or, or whatever you find yourself in, you'll know that every word counts. You can't wander, you can't mess it up, because if you do, you'll never live it down. Um, you just need to think it through, you need to plan it, you need to bring your little cards with you so you've got your, your gags in order and you've got the things, you know, um, in the right way. And much like a sermon, for example, or if you're addressing a, a group of um, dignitaries or, or whatever it might be, you know that every word counts. And so in those situations, we know um, that it is quite right and appropriate to think it through and write a few notes. And that's okay when it comes to prayer as well. If spontaneous prayer is like the rock guitar solo, prepared prayer, preformed prayer is more like the classical music concert. You know, where everybody's been practicing, they all know their notes in the right order and all the rest of it. And um, so that's kind of what we're talking about. The Bible itself gives us these types of prayers. We've been looking at one this morning in, in Luke 11. Uh, Jesus says, when you pray, this is what you should say. Um, it's, a, it's a form of words. Um, we can use them uh, to, to develop our own prayers, but we can use those exact words as well to pray. And that's a genuine and real and good thing to do um, uh, if you want. For example, as well, the Aaronic blessing is called in Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You've heard this one before. May the Lord lift up his face and give you his peace. What a great prayer to pray over your kids at night if you have small ones at home. What a great prayer to play, pray over maybe family who are visiting and, and are about to return to wherever it is they live. And you'll not see them for months or years. That's a, that's a great prayer. And, and the fact that it's been prayed countless times by the people of Israel and, and, and many in the Christian church for many uh, hundreds and thousands of years should not put you off of using them. Preformed prayers. We see them in the Bible. You can write your own prayers, by the way, um, if you want to. Uh, maybe you're into journaling, and so after you've read the Bible and, and prayed, you can maybe write some prayers down or one or two lines about what you really want to praise God for. These can be great ways to pray. Pray through your pen. That's totally a good and right thing to do as well. So again, um, maybe enjoy that as well. Um, old hymns. If, you, if you're brought up in certain church traditions where you would have you know, sung a lot of old hymns, again, or psalms, great ways to pray. 
Great ways to pray. Even some maybe modern worship songs that you've heard of can be, you know, at the end of the day, uh, music in church is just prayer set to, set to, set to music. Um, you know, worship is, is prayer set to music. Old hymns. Especially if you're finding it difficult to pray and you don't know what to say, uh, sometimes a, a psalm from the Bible or an old hymn can just help you to unlock again some prayer language in your own life. It could be wonderful. So why don't you do that? Think about writing a, a line or two that helps you. Spontaneous prayer, preformed prayer, and if I might add this last one here, uh, the Bible makes reference quite you know, a number of times, particularly in the New Testament, about praying in the Spirit. I don't know if you've heard of that, praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. Um, please don't freak out if this is the first time you've, you've heard about this. Where do we get this from? Well, there's things like this particular passage, I think it's Ephesians 6, pray says Paul to the church, in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Jude chapter 20, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14, all refer to praying in the spirit as a different or a subset of prayer. Different kind of prayer. And as I said, we're a spirit-empowered church. I gave out this book about um, the spiritual gifts and we believe <coughs> that God gives the gift uh, many gifts, but particularly the speaking in tongues from time to time as well. And so this can be for you if you are sort of gifted in that way, um, can be a way that you can pray to God as well. Um, by the way, if you're interested in knowing a bit about the church's sort of uh, teaching on this, um, I did a series um, a year and a half ago, I think, called When You Come Together. And I've tried to sort of lay out some of the biblical teaching um, on these gifts as well. So I would encourage you to go back on our website. You can look that up. And um, I maybe repost one on Facebook um, this week as well, so you can look that up. Um, just so you know, we're not a bunch of loonies. Um, this does come from the Bible, I promise you that. There might be a few loonies as well, but that's okay. makes things fun. Praying in the tongues. Just allowing that full uh, space, I suppose, for the manifestation of the Spirit's gifts. The bottom line with the gifts of the Spirit is that they are given to strengthen and build the church. Not to freak people out or make them run away. They're here to strengthen and build your faith and the faith of those in our church. Um, so again, listen to those. We'll be touching on some of these things in our new series through the book of Acts in, in January and beyond as well. So there you go. The scenarios and the substance. Sometimes with worship, sometimes with fasting, sometimes planned prayer meetings, sometimes spontaneous. Depending on where we go. Let me finish with the famous uh, tagline of Pete Gregg, who uh, gave out one of his books there a few weeks ago, um, who leads the 24-7 prayer movement. He says, go where your best prayers take you. And so that's my encouragement to you this morning. Uh, if you're starting out on your journey of faith and prayer, to us as Foundation Church, if you're in leadership here, go where your best prayers take you. Let's do that just now. Let's stand and pray together as we close out.